on yesterday, I promised you I would. I uh, had taken some notes on a, a really impressive sermon that I heard on the internet from a bishop. I think his name is Oidiopo, something like that. And he's in, is it Nigeria that he's in? Yeah, all right. And they have a huge ministry called Canaan Land Ministry. And this gentleman started out with 100 acres, which is big to start out with. You know, I thought he had big faith to start. But they've got now 10,000 acres campus. Amen. A 50,000 member church of people who are being taught faith and taught how to exercise their faith. So when I looked at all that he accomplished with his faith, I said, I think I'll be tuning in. (laughs) So I tuned in and I was uh, moved to take notes. And and, uh, like I do when I, I have something that I know is feeding me, I do that. And so. We're going to talk about what he says. He says, understanding uh, the covenant of answered prayer. That's what he preached on. Understanding the covenant of answered prayer. I know I sent it to some of you. you yeah, okay. So my, many of you got it already. I think I sent it around because he had an example in there about believing God for a spouse. And so, he want, amen. So we want to encourage in the things that are important to us. So if you'll turn to Psalm 89, uh, 34, that's where we'll start. And he says there, once I have sworn by my holiness, I'm sorry, 34, my covenant will I not break. God will not break his covenant with us. If God has promised you to be healed, just keep believing God. Keep wenting, keep putting the medicine of the word inside of you. You know, we have an obligation to obey the word, the the, word. principles of the word so that the promises will come forth and so he will do what he says he will do he says my covenant will i not break nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips he's not going to change what he said he's going to do for us psalm 89:34. you got it okay he says he won't alter what he says in other words if you read something in the Bible that sounds too good to be true, don't you try to change it to make it sound more reasonable or more like what a human being could do. Amen. He said he doesn't alter what he says. And he says here, uh, once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie. See, he swears by his holiness. He can find no higher sword he swore by himself. He swears by his own life, his own integrity. When you swear by your holiness, that means that uh, holiness, there's nothing wrong with it. Why would he alter it? Because he didn't make a mistake when he said it. So he said what he meant and he meant what he said. And he's going to bring it to pass just like he said he would bring it to pass. Amen. Our our, um, quest is to hold on and continue to believe until it comes to pass. And not settle for something less than what we really desire out of life. I mean, he really wants to give us the desires of our hearts. He says his covenant he will not break. The bishop says that you can live on the highway of answered prayers. You can live on a highway of answered prayers. I know Pastor Shirley was sharing with me how God was having her reflect on all of the answers to prayer that we've gotten in this ministry. And it's been many, many over the years. 
We've had people that we send prayer cloths to that, that write back and tell us cancer left. And, and that's always something big for people, you know. And, and just believing God and taking him at his word will cause special miracles. We'll send them prayer cloths and we'll send them prayers and so forth and so on. So we need to accept the fact that the covenant is on God's terms and we must meet his terms. Amen. You must meet his terms. We're able to meet his terms because he's enabled us. We're born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, many of us, most of us, all of us here, I'm sure. And so we are fully equipped to be able to perform according to God's standards and meet his demands and meet his uh, terms for, it, uh, for answered prayer. James 4, if you'll turn there, it talks about asking amiss. And this was something that this gentleman brought up. Uh, and made sure that he let people know that you can miss God when you pray. And so we don't like to think about those things. We call it negativity or whatever, but it's true. You can miss the boat. I've done it many times, but I thank God that he was merciful and he came and corrected me and put, and put me on the right road. He didn't leave me out there missing stuff. So James 4 says uh, in verse 2, You lust and have not, you kill, desire to have and can't obtain, you fight and war, and you have not because you ask not. Then when you ask, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss, so that you can consume it on your lust. When Pastor Shirley was speaking yesterday about not having to see the things that you're asking God for. See, that's so important. That's so important. That you can live by faith because faith is a bigger sea than what you see in the natural. I'm going to say it again. Faith is a bigger sea than what you see in the natural. We're all looking for amen. Because the promise is locked up inside of you. That way the devil can't get it. You can't mess with it too much. Amen. So if you're looking in the natural for something already that God's promised you, you're going to be asking amiss because you, what your eyes see sometimes, you get an unnatural or an unhealthy desire for. Uh-huh. uh-huh. That's for all y'all that like watching Empire. <laughs> Lucius and Cookie, you know. I'll take you down that road again. Y'all are looking at Lucius. He fine as wine. Oh, he's so purdy, bastard. You're always looking at somebody called they purdy, huh? He get up ugly in the morning just like everybody else's husband, honey. Trust me. For all the, he got makeup people and all the mother can fix him up. Are you kidding me? We really don't know what that brother looked like. But see, we all want what's appealing to the eye, you know, and that's okay. You know, God will bring that to you. But you can't go eyeballing every man you see trying to pick out a husband. Amen. Amen. So the best is locked up inside of you. Amen. So you can't mess with it. You can't say that's got to be him cause. Uh-uh. Ain't got to be him cause nothing. I think the best prayer to pray is God, uh, he who finds a wife, make sure my husband is looking for me today. Make sure he's looking and guide my steps so that I can be found. Amen. Don't let me miss anything. Huh? 
Some of y'all miss it like Sapphira did. You know, if she'd have been, I mean, if she hadn't stopped at the nail shop on the way to church that morning, that girl would have been alive. You hear me? Because she'd have saw her husband lie to the Holy Ghost and drop dead. And she said, you know what? Uh, Yeah, yeah. would have been a different story coming out of her mouth. Huh? And so, (laughs) so anyway, amen. You can miss your future. Not being on time when God gives you an appointment to be somewhere. Hmm? Always be on time for God. Always. Always. Don't ever miss. It's so important to be where he tells you to be when he tells you to be there. Amen. Amen. We used to talk about divine appointments all the time back in the old days. You go somewhere and you knew God had you go there. You knew your needs were going to be met because they got met right down the line. And so God doesn't miss anything, y'all. He's he's wanting to put us in the right place all the time so we can be blessed. So so he was saying also, not only do we ask amiss, we fight and war and still don't have. But he says that there is a key to answered prayer, and it's found in 1 John 5.14. And this is the confidence. See, faith is confidence. It's assurance. He said, this is your confidence. He says that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So God hears his word. He hears his word. He doesn't hear anything but his word. He turns a deaf ear to anything but his word. Our wall, bawling and walling and squalling, as they used to say, and complaining, he turns a deaf ear to because he doesn't want to send that to you. Amen? But we got to watch it because there is somebody that hears our bawling and squalling and whining. Huh? The enemy wants to pick up on our emotional tirade so that he can, uh, you know, bring some kind of false manifestation or some kind of false encouragement for us or false consolation or something like that and we want to keep out of that realm we want to stay in the realm where God can hear us and he says uh, and if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask we know that we have you see how he uses the word know and confidence so faith is a knowing it's an assurance it's not a miss a guess or a maybe it's a knowing a confidence and an assurance a knowing a confidence and an assurance a knowing confidence and assurance. If you're not confident and assured when you pray something, go get back in the word until you get confident. You can say, you know what? God spoke that to me. That was the rhema word that came into my heart that he's going to do for me. And always assume God will do anything you ask him to do according to his will. He's not picking and choosing, leaving some things out. He doesn't have a... a, a Important list and a non-important list. You make the list. You decide what you want. Amen. And you ask for the things that you desire and the things that you need. So these are his rules. So we know we have what we ask for when we ask according to his word. God wants us to know and be sure our prayer is answered. Amen. Psalm 68.8 says he sets a solitary in families. That's for people who are looking for someone to marry and want their own family. This is his will, to set solitary people into families. 
And you can see the fallout from people who live alone sometimes. You know, if they're sick or, or disabled, they don't have anybody to help them. The Bible says two is better than one. They have a good return for their effort. One can hold the other up. He said if you're, if you're uh, cold at night, somebody can stick their foot over on your foot and keep you warm. You understand what I'm saying? And so, so it's better. Two is better than one. So here we have eight keys that he gave us. Eight keys allow God to hear us, okay? They allow God to hear us. Number one, you must pray from your heart. You must pray from your heart for God to hear you. So in other words, your spirit must be engaged in the prayer. And that's why he's given us the Holy Spirit. And that's why he's given us the born again experience. So that we can, our spirits can come alive to him. And you pray from your heart. Jeremiah thirty nine thirteen. I think that's the one that says that you will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. <clears throat> Do you have it there, Pastor Shirley? Oh, I'm almost there. Is that the correct? Thirty nine. I just read it this morning, so. Okay, thank you. He says, hmm, that's not it. It sure isn't. Where did I mean? That one I didn't look at. 2913. Thanks, Miss Nola. Jeremiah 2913. Is there a pen up here? I'll correct it in my notes. Cool. 2913. Thank you, honey. Alright. And you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Wholehearted searching for God. Not searching for God and then having something else in mind that that you're going to use to solve the problem. Amen. Wholehearted searching for God means that you have settled that he is the final answer for you. Amen. Uh, The bishop talked about this is the end of the road. You know, this is the end of your train. When you come to God, this has to be the end of your seeking, searching for other sources. And so when you settle in on just God, this is it. It's just me and you. You tell me how this goes. I trust you. I know that you have my best interests at heart. I know that you have good and great things for me, great and mighty things that I've never seen before. So I'm interested in you providing those things for me. Amen. You've got to be more interested in having what God wants than having what you want. You got me? You really do. See, that's what trust is. Trust is allowing God to show you how big he is in good times and bad, in smooth sailing and turbulent winds. If you can allow God to just take over and say, God, I trust you. Like Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Amen. Because you know if if there's some answers to prayer that haven't been performed yet, he'll raise you back up so you can get up and enjoy them. You understand what I'm saying? And Job knew that. Didn't he raise him up? Wasn't he better in his latter end than he was in his former? 
So these encounters with God, sometimes <clears throat> difficult circumstances might lead us into these encounters. But once you encounter God and the trust is there and you see what he can do for you and he brings you out and he multiplies and increases you, then there's no better life than that. There's no better life than that. So he says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. Everything. I remember when I got saved and I was depressed and I just kept crying out to God. I said, God, if if you're real, I mean, what am I supposed to do and how are you going to help me and what do I do? And every day he met me and answered something that I needed that day. I mean, even on a, a baby Christian level of crying out minute by minute. For relief or comfort or answers or or hope or something like that. He was able to meet me on a continual basis. And that's, uh, you know, wholehearted seeking. I knew that was the final answer. I knew nobody else had anything for me. I knew there was no help for me. I had to trust God. And so it's a good place to be in because he will meet you there when you seek for him with all of your heart. That's why a lot of times people who are kind of casual about God just... Well, if God is good, why don't I have this and why don't I? He's not answering any foolishness like that. I mean, tempting him like that. Come on now. He's God. But that same person, when they get to the end of their road and they know that their only thing they haven't explored is trusting God, then he's right there for them if you'll seek for him with all of your heart. So we are to engage our hearts to seek God. Amen. He says your life will explode into a testimony. If you'll pray this way, always and hide the word in your heart, always have the word, you know, get get prepared to accept the word of God and make up your mind. You're going to believe the word of God and hide it in your heart. You are responsible for the outcome of your life. And that's not a, a bad thing. That's a good thing because you are the one who who uh, sets the rudder. You know, it, it, it guides like the, the Bible says your tongue is very powerful in that way. Just like rudders guide big ships, your tongue guides your life. And so with your prayer, your confession, what you say, what you believe, what you prophesy, all of those things, you run your life with that. And it's a good thing because you don't want anybody else having control over your life. You, you definitely want it yourself. Prepare your heart to serve the Lord. Proverbs 16.1 it says the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the lord and the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the lord all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes but the lord weighs the spirits so you have to have God judge you, what you're asking for. And, and once you get peace about it, then it's a done deal. You know, all you got to do is, is continue to believe and not give up uh, standing for what you believe. He says, commit your works unto the Lord and your thoughts shall be established. If you commit the things that you want to do to the Lord, he will guide your mind and tell you how to do them. He says your thoughts will be established. And so you won't get somewhere and not know what to do. You won't get somewhere and be confused or want to quit or want to slow down. Your thoughts will be established. He'll give you a plan step by step for how to get things done in him. I mean, it's just that simple. 
I started doing that when I, I started to feel a little uh, pressured at times. You know, we would have conferences and things like that. And I would wake up in the morning and I would start to feel like a little anxiety. Oh, boy, how much do I have left on my list to do and all that kind of stuff. And so I decided I would lie there for a few minutes and just worship God and thank him for the day and, and begin to get in, a, in the spirit with him. And he began to lay out my whole day for me. What I would get, because see, if you try to do it yourself, you might be trying to get Peter on Paul's day. And then, you know, Hank over here, he don't even get a day because you don't ever get around to fulfilling that. And so I began to learn how to rely on him and expect him to give me instructions every single day for how to get my day done. Amen. Every single day. Sometimes it was difficult for me to uh, settle down and try to pray about a message or something like that. And I would find that he had a time slotted already for me to be able to do that. So you have to sit there and puzzle your brain and try to go through somebody else's. I used to uh, I always listen to Pastor Shirley's podcast. I said, hmm, I can't get none. wonder what she's been preaching. You know what I'm saying? It's always we steal from each other all the time. But you know what I'm saying. And so God can lay all of that out for you so that your days are successful. You don't waste any time. They're productive. You know, especially, you know, if you're a person who doesn't have a lot of time to waste, you know. Now, there are times in our lives where we're busier than other times, you know, like me with the conferences. Sometimes if you're you're a parent, you got to take care of your children. you got to have a job. you got all that stuff. God has a, an orderly a sequence of events for every single day for us if we'll if we'll tap into that he orders our steps the bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the lord so if you're a good person your righteousness begins to help you to trust god and then he will put those steps right for you you'll prosper in the way that you go you'll always have uh, prosperity there you'll always have blessing on your pathway you'll always have a clear pathway always and so God wants to do that for each and every one of us and if we will do that and pray according to his word and his will once you he set in motion once you set in motion his will for you there's no reason for him not to help you there's no reason for him not to guide you and be there for you so once that's set in motion your heart agrees with God's heart and you're off to the races amen okay so that was number one pray from your heart Number two, pray according to his word. He says to locate what is written about your situation. Just that simple. Broke, you want a scripture on how to prosper. Amen. Amen. I always like the scripture that says if you don't work, you don't eat. And to me that means God must have a job for me. Because he's not going to let me starve. Amen. Amen. So he'll provide everything. So I believe there's a job waiting for everybody who's not employed. But the thing of it is, you've got to stay with the word long enough to believe it and get it inside of you. And and then the first thing that comes to discourage you, just walk on top of it. Don't even consider that. Amen. So we have to be the consider not people. You know, just don't even let your mind go there. Don't let your mind go into the realm of defeat. Don't let your mind go into the realm of I'm not qualified or it may not happen. You're qualified to do something. Amen. 
And so if it's coming to your heart that you want to uh, have a professional job and you've got yourself trained, uh, then, then God will bring those things to you. Sometimes he'll bring them to you with a little or no training, you know, but you've got to be applying yourself. You know, you can't just sit around and wish something will change inside of you and make it happen. You've got to qualify yourself for these things and just trust and believe God to lead you. He'll lead you to the right education. He'll lead you to the right opportunities. He's just there for us at all times. So the scriptures he had, 2 Timothy 2.13. 2 Timothy 2.13. He says, If... If we believe not, yet he abides faithful, he cannot deny himself. Okay? Now this is the thing. When God says he's going to do something for you, it says if we believe not, he abides faithful. So it's like this. If you're walking with God in faith and you get to a point where something happens and you start to doubt, falter, and waver. Okay? He keeps moving. He stays where he was when you started to back away. Amen. He can't deny he told you. He can't deny he said it. He's not going to deny it. He's not going to side with you and go back and side with what your unbelief and say he didn't say it. He'll wait patiently right there until you shake that off and come to your senses and catch back up with him. That's what it means when he can't de- deny himself. Amen. He waits for you to get your faith back in gear so that he can believe, bring that to you. He can't violate his own word. You must believe him in order to receive the promises. So we pray according to his word. Locate what's written about your situation. Where you desire a change. God cannot deny what he said. He will not deny it. The other scripture is Titus 1.7. And that one's wrong, too. <laughs> it's talking about a bishop. I know that's wrong. If not being drunk, and that's cool. <laughs> I'll see if I can find it later. We'll, we'll get it straightened out. Okay. So that was number two. Pray according to his word. Number three. Pray with faith in the name of Jesus. We must pray with faith in the name of Jesus. We must have faith in his name. John 14, and, and when he say faith in his name, that means faith in the power of his name and the authority of his name. When you release the name of Jesus, that dispatches everything you need to bring that answer to you. Amen. That dispatch, and you must believe that when you pray in his name, And all heaven and earth and under the earth stands at attention and bows and must obey so that you can get your answer. Amen. So everything that's standing against you must leave. Everything that is is needed for you must come. Amen. So with his name, there's power and authority there. So John 14 and verse 13. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that I'll do. Whatever you ask in my name, that I'll do. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So God the Father gets glory when you use the Son's name. When you go through their channel of getting things. And he says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. 
And the implication there is that if it seems impossible or there's nothing around that to make it out of, he'll make it for you. You got me? Some things have not been created yet that are answers to prayer. Now you and I have seen them in our lifetime. You look at, um, let me give you a different kind of example. Dick Cheney, for example, he said he had his first heart attack in the 1970s. He's had four heart transplants. When he had the first heart attack, they had just developed some type of uh, stent or something like that. You know, he had bypass and arteries. I think they had artificial arteries and stuff like that at that time. And he said the four times he's had a heart attack or trouble with his heart, just at that time they had developed something to help him. And see, that's 100% God. That's, that's this, this, this scripture right here. If they don't have it, I'll make it for you. And so he keeps him alive until technology comes in and can get that thing made for him so he can live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Amen? And so these things are real. Same thing with DNA evidence. Those people that we see getting out of prison now because of false accusation, they would be in there still if it wasn't for DNA technology. And so God brings it. They just have to keep believing God and God brings it to them. So many blessings that come because God creates for us as we have need for what, what he has for us. So John sixteen twenty two and 24. And we, and you now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again. Your heart shall rejoice and your joy no man can take from you. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, you go to the source. Amen. The Father, God, Jesus honors the Father this way. He says, go to our Father. This is how family operates. He said, go to our mutual dad and ask him for the things that you need in my name because I provide the righteousness for you. See, I provided everything for you and you use my name and use my righteousness and the father hears you. Amen. You don't go on your own. When you go begging and screaming, that's pretty much on your own. You know what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes we feel like we got to do that, get that out the way. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. You gotta gotta come up better than that. You understand what I'm saying? Y'all gotta dig a little deeper than that. <laughs> Amen. So he says, Ask the Father in my name, and I guarantee you answers. I like that. I guarantee you answers. Just the power of the name of Jesus. That's your guarantee. Amen. The the term verily, verily. That's, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you this ain't no lie. That's what Jesus is saying. So that's covenant language. That's sworn in my blood. He said, that, is that strong with me? Amen. So I'm telling you, you use my name. Amen. You use my name. I know we got a lot of identity thieves out here now using other people's names. Everybody wants to get a little bit higher by changing their identity a little bit. And so we have a new identity in that we belong to God through Jesus Christ and we can use his name. And he says, that's my guarantee. I guarantee you answers. And why does he guarantee? He said, I want you to be full of joy. I want you to be happy. 
I don't want you to be miserable. I don't want you to be struggling. He said, I'm giving you my name to use in authority and power and access so that you can be full of joy. I don't want you down here lacking. I don't want you wanting for anything. I don't want you fearful. I don't want you intimidated by the devil. I don't want you in that place. I want your joy to be full. And so that's that's what he guarantees us there. Okay, so that's number three. He says, I guarantee you, so because I want you to be happy. I want your joy to be full. That's so wonderful. That's so wonderful. In Acts chapter 3, we see some of the results of faith in that name. Amen. Acts chapter 3. And this is, a, you know, the story at the gate. Beautiful. Three. Peter and, and uh, John went up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And, and there was a lame man who was lame from his mother's womb sitting at the gate. Beautiful. They saw Peter and John go into the temple and they asked him for something. Verse 4, Peter fastened his eyes on, on him with John and said, look on us. Don't look at your body. Don't look at how lame you are. Don't look at who else is going by that you might be able to get some money from. But look at us. See, we miss God sometimes thinking that's not the answer or somebody is not bringing us the answer we need. And that's the answer right there. So that's why he says, look at us now. Come on now, pay attention. Don't keep batting your eyes around trying to see who else is going by. It's true. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand. This is, this is common practice for getting the lame to walk. Amen. It's common standard practice. When you see they've got some faith going, you can assist them up. Amen. But don't drop them. It says he lifted him up and immediately his faith and ankle bones received strength. Now that's the law of um contact and transmission for the anointing too amen and so you help their faith by getting them winting start to do what it is that you couldn't do amen and that's how the anointing is transferred by faith he says he took him by his right hand lifted him up and he leaping stood up and walked and entered with them into the temple <clears throat> walking and leaping and praising god and all the people saw and knew who he was and so the people were crowded around them and uh, Peter has to correct them. Verse 12, when Peter saw it, he answered the people, you men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so earnestly on us as though our own power of holiness did this? He says, the God of Abraham and our father Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the holy and just one and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. And killed the prince of life whom God had raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. And his name. This is why his name is powerful. Peter tells him the whole rundown. He said y'all denied him, put him to death, tried to kill him. He, He went to hell for three days and we saw him on Sunday. Sunday morning he was at church amen we started a brand new church of the living God on Sunday morning 
He said, we're witnesses of that. He said, in his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of his faith in his name. It's not how you say it. It's not how strong you say it, how low you say it, how high you say it. It's faith in his name. Just get his name out of your mouth. Amen. And so we have faith in his name. We do miracles in his name. Perform healing in his name. We pray in his name. Amen. Anything you need from the throne of God has to come through that name. So by faith in his name. Jesus the Christ, the anointed one. Amen. The anointing breaks every single yoke. The anointing also breaks the yoke of opposition to your answer. Amen. It breaks the yoke of opposition to your answer. Point number four is in Hebrews 4. And he says, pray boldly, not beggarly. Hebrews 4:16 It says in 15 we we'll start 14 seeing then as we have a great high priest which is passed into the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our profession in other words don't let go you have a great high priest you have somebody up there who is able to minister over your words Able to help you correct if you're off somewhere in your believing or you err in your believing or you struggle uh, with holding on to what you've asked for. A priest is able to help that. Amen. We do it all the time with people, don't we? People come and they'll want answers to prayer and uh, we'll be able to help them to understand better what the word of God says. Or sometimes if a person is anxious about something and unsure about something, you can come into agreement and help undergird them. That's We are a royal priesthood. And then we have a great high priest who can correct it further. If your stuff ain't quite what it needs to be, don't worry about it. You, your little bit and they little bit in his hands and equals your answer. Amen. And he will send his peace to you. That passes all understanding. He'll send his great peace to you. He said, yep, I got it. He said, you asked me right that time. I got it now. If you need more, he will encourage you to shore up your faith. There are times when we'll be trusting God for something real intent and think we're going to get it the next day. And it doesn't come and we kind of drift away a little bit. And then one day it'll bug us that we're, we're so drifted away we don't even feel like God wants us to have it anymore. Or that we're going to get it ever. And your high priest will have the Holy Spirit prompt you to start to worship God again and believe God again. Or get into the word and build your faith right back up again. And so he ministers over your profession. What it is that you profess that you want and you desire. He ministers over that continually. He prays for us continually. He intercedes for us at the throne of grace. And so because he has shed his blood for us, and that blood denotes our righteousness, it speaks our righteousness. It speaks holiness. It speaks to God just as though Jesus were there himself wanting that thing. He sees us the same way in righteousness. And so there's no holding back what it is that we desire from God because he wants us definitely to have these things. 
So pray boldly, not beggarly. Mercy and grace, the Bible says, at the cross kissed each other. So they ride as twins over all your prayers when you pray in the name of Jesus, when you meet these standards. And so he says we fed mercy and grace to help us in the time of need, according to Hebrews 4.16. So he says, let us therefore, he says, we, we have a high priest who has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast, don't let go of what you believe in God for. Hold fast to it. And he says, you know, that's kind of like a wrestling term. You know, it's trying to get away from you. And you lay hold on it. You hold fast. You take, nail it down again. Amen. Because it's easy for your promises to get away from you. All you have to do is have one bad day that stretches into another bad day, into another bad day. And you'll start to feel like nobody loves me. I'm not getting anything. I'm not worthy. All of that stuff. And so he says, hold fast to your profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Hmm? Jesus has walked this earth as a human being and has been touched and felt everything that we ever go through. He's been touched and felt it. And that's what makes a good high priest. You know, you ever see people who have struggled a lot and they still serve God? They have such a, a sweetness sometimes about them and a graciousness about them and a, a kindness toward people. Why? They've been touched with what once you're touched, that doesn't go away. You know, you don't harden yourself once you've been you've come through difficult things. If God's brought you out, you can get healed. And then you can also understand and be touched with their feelings and that compassion will start to rise up in you. See, I know what it's like to have been sick for five years. So when I see people who are sick, I'm like, you know, you know, that's not right. You know, and I know that's not God because I've been healed. And so I know that he will heal anybody who asks him. Anybody. I'll pray for anybody. I don't care. Sometimes when you struggled in certain areas of your life, when you've overcome and you understand what a person's struggle is about and you haven't tried to deny that you did that, you know, you understand it. And so you can be touched. That makes you a faithful high priest and one who's very valuable to humanity. If you let God help you through it, you know, you have something to come through. And so Jesus allowed the Father to help him through everything that, that touched him in this life. He was betrayed. You know, he had dinner with Judas and knew he was going to betray him and, and had covenant meal with him anyway. Made him a brother, you know. And so it's, it's those kinds of things that you need somebody who understands that, you know. Other than that, people don't really care. You know, they, you know, well, you need to get up and do this. And you know, always you what you need to do in order to get better. And that's not ministry. You know, that's not ministry at all. You know, somebody who is a good minister will get down in there with you and say, now, listen, we're going to talk about this, but we're going to get up and trust God. And and you're going to get better. And God's going to come through. So when we come boldly. There is, is boldness really means you have confidence and assurance that your answer is there. It's not anything abrasive toward God. It's not anything 
with loud, rough manners or trying to take something or something like that. It, that's not boldness. Boldness denotes confidence. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. And you're depending on the blood of Jesus for your righteousness. You're not trying to do everything right so that you can earn the right to be there. Everybody should have given up on that by now. You know, your first trip, your first trip missing up should should give you confidence that there's got to be a way for me to get back to where I left. Amen. Because where I was when I was in righteousness felt so good. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you felt confident, you felt sure, you felt God would do anything for you. you. You knew God's prayer, your prayer to God would not fail. And so that's where he wants us to abide in that confident, bold realm of coming to him. Righteousness is a covering. And it is a covering for battle. God does not want to leave you in your trouble. He doesn't want to leave you in your crisis. He doesn't want to leave you in your lack. <clears throat> he will make a way for you. Proverbs 28.1 says the righteous are as bold as a lion. <clears throat> I'm going to read that because I like the way that ends too. <clears throat> Proverbs. the wicked flee when no man pursues <laughs> bad people are running from everybody all the time <laughs> their imagination drives them crazy nobody's behind them they still running the wicked flee when no man pursues but the righteous are bold as a lion amen so don't be running from anything you know don't be just stand there boldly and expect God to come and help you you know expect him to come for your needs amen <clears throat> Okay, number five, point number five. Pray exercising authority over all satanic forces. Don't ever forget your binding and loosing prayers. Luke chapter 9 is what he has. And verse 1 says, Then he called the twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils. That's one of the first things they got. And they didn't try to make a whole ministry out of it. I'm going to say it again. That was one of the first empowerments they had. And they didn't try to make a whole ministry out of it. Amen. Deliverance is not a ministry. Amen. It's not a ministry. One thing that always tipped me off if it was, you know, valid or not, was they never had any healings in the ministry. Everything was a devil and they were casting out and all that kind of stuff, but nobody ever got healed. So there's a balance because the anointing heals as well as casts out devils. You take authority, amen, take authority over all the works of the darkness, amen. It imparts the the word of God into a person's body to work in there to eradicate sickness and all symptoms. And so you have to know that there's more for your ministry than that. People try to make a big spectacle 
out of that. I remember that was true in the 80s and 90s when we first started. And God showed us that a lot of that was just emotion and it was a bunch of nonsense and people thought they were better and really didn't get better. And there were some people who were really anointed very strongly in that way and, and had the gifts of the spirit in operation, could discern spirits and that kind of stuff. And that was valid. But they also had a healing anointing too. So you can't have one aspect. of The anointing is not divided like that. See, it's not fragmented like that. God is not fragmented. Because there are going to be people who are sick that you need to pray for them to be healed. I mean, what are you going to do that God wouldn't leave you halfway equipped like that? And so we have to, and it's just really for people to seek to have full empowerment with God. Look at what he said uh, when in, uh, um, I think it was Luke chapter 4, when he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. That tells you everything that's in the anointing of God. It says, Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, because God was with them. Amen? And so, <clears throat> yeah, so he says in, uh, let me see. Yeah, Luke 4, chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. This anointing is the same, okay? It's not fragmented and divided. He's anointed me, number, to preach the gospel. Your words come first to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So that should include everything that could ever be wrong with humanity. Amen. So whenever you're anointed by God, you're fully anointed. You just have to use your faith for all of it. And not try to fall in love with one aspect of it because it looks powerful to people. You know, you have to get the whole thing if you're going to help people. Don't get partial anything from God because he wants you to have the full of it. He wants you to have the full of it. All right. Okay, so that's exercising authority over all satanic powers. You have authority over all the works of darkness. By redemption, you have authority over all the devil's works. You are redeemed from the curse, which means that you can preach the blessing. You can minister the blessing. You can pray for the blessing. And the blessing will come to you unhindered because you are redeemed from the curse of the law. When you break the law of God, you have an advocate. And so you stand sinless and righteous when you confess your sins to God and believe they're removed from you. That scripture is very powerful. I remember when my mom was... sick and and she had believed God for healing for about 10 or 15 years and then she just kind of started to feel like you know it was her time and we tried to encourage her to continue to be healed and everything and and believe God for a miracle but you know she was tired she raised her children seeing her grandchildren and a lot of good things got it done for her you know she had a lot of struggles in life with her health toward the end of her life but I remember Shirley and I, Pastor Shirley and I going to visit her the night before she passed away. I had asked God for some things for my mom before she left. And I know God prepares people for meeting him before they leave this earth. And you better believe that. That's why you don't pray for any kind of assisted nothing out of here. You don't need no assist. Amen. 
You don't need anybody to assist anybody out of here. God does that. That's God's business. Amen. But I remember uh, asking God. There was a, there's a scripture in the Psalms. It says, I laid down at night and I got up because the Lord sustained me. And I said, God, if you will do that, I said, I'll know that we've done everything we can to help my mom to meet you as a righteous woman. And so that night I was in the word. I had my Bible open. We were, uh, you know, just talking with her, standing at her bedside. And I I went to First John. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just. And her eyes kind of lit up. And she said, is that in the Bible? I said, yeah, mom, it's right in here. She said, really? I said, "Uh uh-huh. And that morning, they called us and said, we don't know what happened to your mom. She seems to have passed away. She said, she woke up this morning. And the nurse was getting her tray and getting her things for her to wash up. And when she went back into the room, she was gone. And so God answers prayer, folks. He answered that for me as a daughter to know that I had done everything. You know, when you feel responsible for people and you, you know truth and you know the Lord, you want to know that you've done. You want a well done. I mean, you, and you want them to get into heaven, number one. But you want to know that you did the right thing. And, and so I'm always thankful to God. He answers those prayers, folks. He answers all prayers that are asked in his name. Okay, so uh, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. That's in Matthew 8. Your prayers are binding and loosing. I'm sorry, Matthew 18. In verse 18, I think. Verily I say unto you, this is another verily, verily. I'm not lying, this is the truth. You can take it to the bank, is what Jesus is saying. I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Amen. So your prayers are binding and loosing. And Jesus backs us up in these things. One translation says, whatever things you allow... On earth, I'll let you have them. I give, I give heaven permission to let you have those. But whatever things you don't allow, he said, I will not allow them in your life. Amen? And that's such a privilege to know that God honors our decisions and our choices. If we don't want sickness, if we don't want trouble, if we don't want pestilence to come near our dwelling place, if we don't want ants crawling around on our food if we don't you know you can bind those things amen amen (laughs) so that was number five number six is to pray in the spirit romans eight and verse 28 29 Okay, I'm sorry, 26 through 28. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. Isn't that good to know? You don't have to know everything. You don't have to do everything right. He's a a, a helper, you know, comforter. And, And really that word comfort is not talking about just coming to you when you mess up and telling you it's going to get better. The word for comforter really comes, it's a Greek word that was taken from their sports and their Olympic games. 
And the comforter uh, or paraclete, the word is paracelsus, and it refers to someone who is called alongside of a runner to help him get to the finish line. See, you don't stop and somebody just says, oh, it's okay, it's going to get better. No, they pick you up and you lean on them and they get you across the finish line. Amen? Amen. Those people, you know how you see the marathoners and there's people standing on the sidelines with water that they can have. Well, that's the paraclete. That's somebody who's called to run alongside you and be right there. When you run out of, of energy, they'll throw some water on you. When you sweat too much, they'll throw more water on you, et cetera, et cetera. They do everything but give you a ride, okay? You, you, can't, you can't just quit and they carry you <laughs> across the finish line. There's some lady when they first started the mar- Rosie Ruiz. Remember her from the 70s when they first started the marathons? They caught her on the subway. She took the subway for part of the marathon. Then she got out and crossed the finish line. They gave her a trophy and everything. Found out that somebody had seen her on the subway. So, praise God. <laughs> My girl wanted to finish, didn't she? <laughs> So that's praying in the spirit. According to the bishop, that is the most accurate frequency on which to pray. The most accurate frequency on which to pray. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through, let let me find that first. 1 Corinthians 14. 14 and 15 it says it says for if I pray in an unknown tongue my spirit prays and my understanding cannot mess it up amen. <laughs> amen my understanding is unfruitful so you can bypass your mind by praying in the spirit he says what is it then I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding so we pray both But praying in the spirit is praying the perfect will of God. Amen. Jude 20 tells us that you build up your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. And it keeps you in the love of God. Amen. Keeps you in the love of God. I know back in the day when you would try to, we really argued with people about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because we didn't know God could prepare their hearts so you you find find it fall yourself find yourself falling into that trap of arguing with somebody about it. Well, you gotta have it because God said, "Ah, I got the Holy Ghost." And oh, back and forth. But I remember people would say, "Well, well, love is the most important." I say, "This is important." It says you get more love this way. Amen. It keeps you in the love of God. Amen. So I was glad for Jude twenty because all the people who thought love wasn't connected to the gift of tongues. Amen found out that it was it benefits you all the way around if it's the perfect will of God it will correct everything that needs to be corrected on the inside of you it will help you at there are times when God will give you the interpretation of what you just prayed and you get your answer you understand what I'm saying so praying in the Holy Ghost pays big big benefits amen big benefits verse uh, number uh, point number seven we are to pray with thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 13. 
Mm-mm. is four six. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Okay. He says, be careful for nothing. In other words, don't be nervous about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Supplication really means to stay with the prayer until you feel a release. Amen. Till you feel that you've said everything that you need to say and you prayed through on it until you get a release. And many times if you start out praying in the English, you'll wind up praying in the spirit or praying in tongues until you get a peace settling in on you that you know that it's done. You don't just say what the word or say your prayer and just walk away from it. But if you're engaged in the spirit by the Holy Spirit, there is an understanding that that prayer is accomplished. And so supplication really means somebody who will stay with it until peace comes. That's it's just it. When you supplicate, that means that you continue to pray in that setting. So you can get your prayer done at one time, at one sit down. And not have to keep running back and forth because unbelief has taken over you or you don't understand what's going on. You can definitely get that all done at one time. You know, you get a, a burden to pray for something and it comes upon you and you pour your heart out to God and give him his word and thank him for it. And then you can pray in the Holy Ghost until you get that release in your spirit and you know that that thing has been accomplished. And that's the best way to pray. That's why when we have prayer, the prayer lasts for as long as it does because we're trying to get things accomplished. We're not just shooting, you know. We're not shooting maybes out there. We want the, the accomplishment of the Holy Ghost to come into what we're praying. And so that's a good way to pray. And he says, and the peace of God, he said, with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. So you can start out thanking God and end, end up thanking God. Amen. That's, that's usually the way prayer happens with <clears throat> most people and their prayer partners. You know, Father, I thank you. That, and then you go into that and you worship him and that brings him on the scene. Once God is on the scene and he, you engage your spirit by the Holy Ghost, then God is open to hear you. Amen. It's very hard to get God to hear you without starting with worship. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy. Holy is your name. We worship you. We bless you and we praise you. We magnify you and extol you. We want you on the scene. That's how you call God is through worship. And so once you worship God and you get a, a leading of the Holy Spirit to begin to pour out what you need and thank God for his word. Father, I thank you that your word says that by your stripes I am healed. I am set free. I am whole from every demonic influence and, and power. And Satan, I break your power off of my life, off my body, off my children in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that my children are secure. I thank you my finances are secure. I thank you that my health is secure. My life is secure this day in Jesus.
Jesus name. And Father, I just bless you and I praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. And just begin and end with thanksgiving and worship and prayer. And I thank you, Lord, for this answer. I thank you I can trust in you. I thank you my answer is being dispatched even now. Amen. And just allow God to give you that reassurance while you're there. So you don't have to wonder and then come back again and say, I'm going to do a little bit more, a little bit. It's not about time. It's about reaching him and using the tools that he's given us to reach heaven and to reach God. Amen. This gentleman shared that Thanksgiving before answers carries it through to completion. Thanksgiving before answers carry them through to completion. Thanksgiving is the extreme form of faith in God. That's one he always honors. Norville Hayes used to say if you thank God for it before you see it, he'll let you see it. Amen. Amen. If you thank him for it before you see it, he'll let you see it. Amen. Thanksgiving always keeps your prayers alive. Sometimes you might go through a season of doubt or a season of just not caring. You know, we get that way sometimes. And so you can always come back to God and repent and say, Father, I'm, I'm still wanting to believe you for that. I'm going to thank you for that today. And just remind me, Holy Spirit, to thank you for it on a continual basis, on a regular basis. And keep a regular relationship, a living relationship with God. Don't live from blessing to blessing. You know, you, you want to stay on the road to blessing. There's a road of continual blessing to come forth in our lives. We're to pray with expectation. Amen. That's the last one. That's number eight. I think Pastor Shirley exhorted us on this really well yesterday. That was a blessing. Amen. Psalm 62.5. Let me see. He says, my soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. You're not waiting for the mailman to bring you something. You're not waiting for any other human being to bring you anything. But your soul is waiting on God because your expectation is from him. Faith is the substance of things, amen, that are expected or hoped for. So your faith gives substance to your expectation. Man, you're really waiting on something real. That's what it means. So when you're in faith, you have set your, your heart upon something that is real. And then your expectation is from God. The Bible says that those who hope in the Lord will never be confused, disappointed, confounded, ashamed, anything you will never you'll never be ashamed of your confession. Amen. I know a lot of times when we want to confess something, especially a biggie, you know, and we want to say, well God's gonna do this for me and it's big. 
sometimes it's almost like there's a presence standing in front of your mouth to push your words back down your throat. See? And that's a spirit that says, oh, what, you know, suppose it don't happen. What are you going to, suppose it does, devil. Huh? What you going to do? If God really does this big thing for me, what are you going to do? Amen? You're going to find somebody else to mess with, no doubt. And so when our expectation is from God, though, we're never ashamed. We, we know he'll, he's going to do it for us. There have been some things that I've trusted God for. I thought I was in faith for. They just weren't for me. But I've, I was puzzled, but I was never confused. I said to myself, well, Lord, I don't know everything, but I'm going to serve you anyway. I'm going to ask you for the next thing, and maybe I'll get the next great thing. Amen? I'm going to keep serving you anyway. So we can miss it. We can ask amiss. There are things that we can do, but, but God wants to help us to ask according to his will so we can have things. So your joy can be full. Amen? Some things we think are going to make our joy full won't do it. I'm going to say it again. There's some things we think will make our joy full, but they won't. God wants to do things that will make our joy full. And sometimes he does them in the order he does them in so that we won't suffer disappointment. You know, one of the things that, that God did with Israel... <clears throat> He took them through the way of the wilderness, he said, the long way. He said, because if I get them the straight, take them the short, fast, dirty route, he said, they're going to see so much warfare, they'll get scared and want to go back to Egypt. And so God tempers our lives so that we're not overwhelmed by life circumstances. And then we get involved in something we can't handle. We don't have the faith to handle. We get in and we just panic and don't know what to do. He doesn't want to take us that way. He takes us the long way around. So it may take you longer to get some things from God. But trust God that it's the best route for you to go. See? Amen. Sometimes the quick and fast route, if it's, if it's not, if your faith is not at the level it needs to be, to handle the responsibility of certain things. God's wisdom will tell you just keep trusting me and keep waiting for it because I have a better way. I want your joy to be full. So I don't want you to get in a situation where you know it's tough for you to get out of after you get in there. See they see warfare and they panic and they want to run and give up on me. God doesn't want us to give up on him. He wants us to stay with him. And he'll make it easy for us to stay with him if we'll trust him. Amen. 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 Praise God. So pray with expectation. Our expectation is from the Lord and of the Lord. So we can expect in the same type of faith assurance that Jesus expected in. Not in a hurry for anything. Not trying to rush God. Many times we want to rush God because we don't like the, 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 I guess the time of waiting you know what do you do in that time you know we want it over with because we feel like we're suffering because we gotta you know we gotta believe God for something and and he'll make your joy full in the waiting time too he'll get you in a place where you can abide there with him where you have full assurance of faith if you find your faith wavering you spend that time uh, in the word with God where he will assure you again and again and again and again over and over and over again it's just like the, the man with the, the daughter. Remember the man that came to Jesus and uh, I think he was a centurion. 
Yeah. And the, the woman with the issue of blood sneaked up on him. Remember her? And he was asking Jesus to come to his house and heal his daughter. And this woman came. She had now faith. He had faith for at my house. She had faith for right here. It's good to come with the right faith for the right thing. Because, see, he could have had it then, too. Remember the other guy whose servant was sick? When he got home, he found out the same hour he asked Jesus, the servant was healed at that same hour. So it's good to come with what I call kind of urgent or impatient or I got to have it faith. And she did. She said her faith, and when I touch him, I'm getting it. When I touch him, I'm getting mine. And so the, the man, uh, when they, somebody came up to them, just as he was ministering to this lady, he hadn't, Jesus hadn't finished ministering to her. And that's the other thing. God does a complete job. He doesn't leave you half understanding things. He doesn't leave you with questions about his power. We're disciples. We're being taught. We're learning. Jesus said, come unto me all you have labored. Learn of me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. We want the goods and to run off with our stuff and not learn anything. And so Jesus, amen, he made sure he explained to people how this happened. Amen. You know anybody who knows me, uh, knows if, if you have any continual contact with me. I'll, if, when you get a prayer answer, I'm going to ask you, do you know how that happened? I done that to you, Tip, and to Tom. Yep, I said, now how did that happen for y'all? Do you understand how that happened? And so it, it's good to have that. And what he told her, he, he she was she was going to go away doubting in some way or go away half half uh, fulfilled. Something was missing, and he detected it in her because he turned to her and he said, "Be a good cheer." He says, I want you to know your faith. He's confirming what she felt. She says she knew in herself that she was healed. Then he confirmed it with his words. See, the fact that she went up without him ministering to her face to face left something missing that he wanted to include in her healing. Even though her faith caused the power to come out of, of him and she knew within herself she was healed, she needed to have his word. Amen. She had to have his word on it, his confirmation, his seal, his assurance. This is a done deal and it's okay with me the way you got it. You understand what I'm saying? And so when he ministers to her, he completes the job. God does a complete and total job for us to get us to the place where he wants us to be. See, God is invested in us. It's not just about us getting out of trouble or us getting our healing or us getting married or us getting. He has, he's invested something in us as priests of the Most High God. We've got to understand these things and understand them well. And so he takes her aside. Be of good cheer, daughter. You haven't broken the law. I know you think you broke the law when you did this, but be of good cheer. You know, your faith has made you whole. That was your faith working. When you talked to yourself and said, if you do this, you will be made whole. It's okay with me. I was the one that told the Holy Spirit to tell you that. Okay? Amen. So he completes ministering to her and then somebody comes up. And tells this dude, it's too late, your daughter dead. 
And the Bible says Jesus turned to him immediately and said, don't you fear. He felt that fear coming on that man. He said, don't you receive that. Amen. That's not for you. He said, you just follow me. And went home and raised that little girl from the dead for her father. So I'm telling you, when the enemy comes to steal your faith, Jesus raises a standard against him and says, you cannot take that faith from me. Amen. He can come flooding into you, getting you to doubt that God wants you to have something. And Jesus will rise up and say, don't you receive that. Now, I still have that for you. From the first day you asked for it to today, I'm still holding it for you. So you hold on to me. When we pray prayers that must be answered. Amen. They must be answered. First Kings 18.43 is a, st- a story of, I think it's Elijah and his servant, where Elijah had prophesied the drought was over. And he says, <clears throat> he says I hear the sound of abundance of rain. You know, it's good to listen to people who are engaged in the spirit of God and <clears throat> pay attention to what they say. You know, sometimes your children and sometimes people in church, they'll listen halfway to the minister. They think they heard it all already. Oh, here she goes again on one of them. They used to do that to Brother Hagin all the time, you know, them stories. They say, oh, boy, here goes the stories again. Everybody roll their eyes up to the ceiling. But them stories built everybody's ministry. Yeah. The stories made them, amen, have a life of faith on uh, them stories. And so we, we have to make sure that we're engaged when the spirit of faith is speaking to us. Yeah, no matter who it comes from. Elijah told the servant to go and look. The servant came back. How many of you parents have raised kids that halfway look for stuff? Yeah, you know the, you know, so you know the whole trip, right? So here's a parent teaching the child how to go find something. They don't want to look to begin with. Amen. So they look halfway. It's there, but they are not interested and they want you to come find it for them. Same thing with ministers and the people that they disciple sometimes. Prophets, servants, them servants were so spoiled, you could hardly call them servants. You know, the sons and daughters of prophets, they knew a prophet had a miracle in his hand anytime they needed something. You know, they didn't have enough space. They wanted to build, expand their little camp that they lived in and uh, borrowed an axe head from somebody. It fell in the river. They came winding to the prophet. Well, why don't you use her, your faith to get that axe head? You know what I'm saying? There's, there's faith all around them, but people often don't use it. My father, my father, the axe head, the axe head, it was borrowed, so he made it float and brought it out of there for him. You don't understand what I'm saying? Just... But anyway, servants were often told what to say by the prophet to see if they would be faithful to carry the message just as it was spoken to them. That's how they were trained. Stouter still trained. Are you going to say it just like I said it, or are you going to think it sounds too mean and you go fix it up? <laughs> All y'all get busted on that because I've had that experience with y'all before, so we know how that goes. It sounds too rough, too mean, I ain't nice enough. I said, you better tell them what I told you. Don't sit up there. <laughs> I have to watch myself because sometimes in normal conversation. I'll say that to people. I said, tell them so-and-so-and-so-and-so. And they'll think in this. I said, you better tell them what I told you to tell them. It's going to work. You know what I'm saying? That's all you want is you're going to work. 
you want something that's going to work, folks. You don't want something. I see half of y'all received that, and the other half of y'all still looking at me like I'm bossy and mean to people. Huh? But this is how the work of the ministry gets done. This is how the prophet's office works. You all know that. Huh? Most people be nervous, but they'll say it anyway, and they say, hmm, that did work. <laughs> I didn't think it would, but it did work. So he tells him to go look seven times, and that's the persistence you have to have when you want something for God. You keep expecting, keep looking, go back seven times, eight times, nine times, ten times, however many times you have to go look for it, because it's there. If you prayed in faith for it, amen, if God's promised it to you, it is there. It is there. It's there. It's there. We help each other with our gifts. The prophet could hear it. The prophet knew it was there. He told the servant, you don't think I heard it. I'm going to make you go look for it then. You're going to be the one to find it. Amen? And so when we, we engage people like that, we do it so that they can have the experience of the miracle. The knowledge of how God works in these things. Nobody's trying to be mean to you. Most people want their answers served to them on a dinner plate with a napkin and, and all that. You know, they want, you want to have your answer butlered into you. You might have to go seeking for your answer. You might have to dig under some rocks for your answer. But you've got to believe that if God's given it to you, your answer is there. It's got to be there if God gave you your answer. And when did you get your answer? When you ask them prayer, believing, huh? What things soever you desire when you pray, believe. Presence of God, amen. Father, we thank you for what you've given us today, understanding of your word. I thank Bishop Odiopo for his teaching and <laughs> that we're able to reproduce here. And we just honor you, love, love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and we'll pray. Praise God.